They say that experience is the best teacher, and the best way to learn from experience is to learn from others who have already found success. For this season of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, Michael has lined up a great group of successful people who will share their stories of how they got started and some powerful lessons from their accomplishments. He'll also be introducing you to people who are just starting on their entrepreneurship journey to share what they've learned so far. Success is not just about money, and we'll meet some people who have been successful in very unique ways. Entrepreneurship is an exciting journey, and we're glad to be along for the ride with you. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy, Michael Whitehouse. Hello, and welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I am your host, Michael Whitehouse, and today we have a fascinating guest, David Duford. So David owns DavidDuford.com, a virtual insurance agency helping new and experienced agents nationally become top producers. He's the author of three best-selling insurance sales and marketing books, including The Official Guide to Selling Insurance for New Agents, The Official Guide to Selling Final Expense Insurance, and Interviews with Top Producing Insurance Agents. David is also a YouTube influencer in insurance sales with over 18,000 subscribers and more than 1.5 million total views, which is pretty exciting when you think about insurance on YouTube, you don't generally think of 18,000 subscribers. So that is quite an accomplishment. And it makes me think that in the brief time when I sold insurance, had I had this kind of knowledge, I might still be selling insurance. Um, So it's great to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Great. So my first question, as always, is what makes you awesome? I guess what makes me awesome is that if you look at the insurance business, as a whole, you know, you mentioned you looked into it, got into it, got out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your experience was like, Michael, but there's a lot of um, misrepresentation, to say the least, that goes on. Uh, a lot of people are shown the Ferraris and the boats and the fat stacks of cash and uh, are never told really how to sell insurance. Instead, mm-hmm. are told to recruit, recruit, recruit. And there's this bad vibe that I think a lot of people have of the business, which is warranted that it's kind of a scam kind of an MLM pyramid scheme. It's a lot of what people will see when they view kind of the outside of it. And what I did, I guess the answer to the question makes me awesome, is uh, I took a completely different uh, look at it. I took the no BS route. This kind of was my tagline to begin with, Hmm. which is looking at the business as it was, which is a great opportunity to run a business through the chassis of selling insurance to people who need it. But instead of focusing on the MLM type of culture, uh, focusing instead on training agents to become top producers, giving them a skill set that they can duplicate, uh, adapt to, and make their own so that they could actually run a, a viable business as opposed to participate in some, you know, one-off, you know, recruitment scheme. Uh-huh. Yeah, that does sound so familiar, that recruitment scheme and the, yeah. the team. And um, yeah, and, and that's that one of the challenges when I sold insurance. I mean, it, it was a certainly... <clears throat> Legitimate company, legitimate opportunity. You didn't have to recruit, but one of the challenges I found was that the the supervisor who did recruit, if there was a recruiter, was generally the, the main trainer as well. And the guy who recruited me was a natural born salesman. He grew up in Queens, and it's one of those places where you either, you either learn to work people or you died, yeah. uh, and like literally in some cases. And since <laughs> he could not send me to Queens for twelve years um, for this very intensive sales training program, he didn't really know how to teach because he had this natural charisma and natural selling instinct and then right. a couple of talents, but he couldn't actually teach something because he never learned it. Right. So, There's a difference between selling and teaching as you'll mm-hmm. discover in this business. A great salesperson is not necessarily a great trainer or Definitely. manager. Yeah. As I would say, you, you don't want, you, you don't want Michael Jordan. You want Michael Jordan's coach. 
Exactly. Because Michael Jordan may not be, may not know how to teach you basketball. Because first off, he can't make you six foot six. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. It's true. Yep. So, so how did you get started in uh, in teaching insurance? Um, well. I had been in the business since 2011 and I got into insurance sales out of desperation. There was nobody hiring. I had had a personal training gym that was kind of, you know, circling the bowl for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. And uh, when you get desperate, you look at insurance sales. So <laughs> I, I stumbled across this little niche called final expense, which is burial insurance. And it was pretty cool because it was targeting seniors. It was one call close. There's 10,000 seniors a day turning 65 and really are underserved. So it's a very much of a salesman's model of business. You go out there, you show them what you got, you either help them or you don't, and you go on to the next appointment. It's not very technical or involved or, you know, long sales cycle. Mm -hmm. So I jumped in, did well, failed because I got away from the fundamentals, got back in after I got a real job and realized how horrible that was. And then a year later, I went solo back full time in the final expense and answer a question about teaching insurance. Um, I got into it really because I wanted to diversify my income. I was probably about 30 at the time and I loved the work. I was working six days a week in the field, but I had kids at home, a wife, three kids, in fact. Mm-hmm. And I figured, you know, probably sometime in the next couple of years, I might not want to work that much. And just in case, I wanted to start, like I said, diversifying my income stream. And instead of just depending on my own sales, depend on the other sales of other people by training them as agents in my agency where they could get support and coaching. And then I make a small per- percentage of their commission. So that's kind of what drove me to where I am today in this role of running an agency. Okay. Um, and so, so you said you failed, left, came back and succeeded. What was the difference between uh, between David in Insurance 1.0 and David in Insurance 2.0? Probably much needed maturity. Okay. Um, there's a couple of things that, that are interesting about our business. Number one, um, we're not we're, we don't have the same kind of technical or technology interruption that's going on in a lot of different uh, businesses. It's a it's a plain old business. You buy direct mail leads even these days, or digital leads. You knock on doors that send those back, or call them and then sell them, and then go to the next one. It's very simple. But simple sometimes will drive you crazy. Mm. And I got to the point where six to nine months in, I got frustrated with people who didn't want to buy that were wasting my time, maybe disrespecting my time even. And I was young then. And I took it personal, Mm. uh, tried to invent a new marketing strategy. I got away from the fundamentals, in other words, lost money on that. And this kind of just boiled over over the course of a couple of months where I just got fed up and quit one night when person no showed me and I was just tired of it. And the next time I got into it, the big difference was I realized what it was like working for corporate America. No offense to anybody who does. (laughs) I I never worked for corporate America. I had a personal training gym and this is my first real job. And I looked around and saw all these men that work jobs they didn't love, that they in fact hated for a, a penance. And they would talk about and opine about running their own business or getting out and doing that thing they really dreamed of, but they never had the courage to go after it. And I saw myself in that situation where I was never going to really move up at the pace that I would be able to determine for myself and stuck Mm -hmm. in something that I just wasn't passionate or had feeling or meaning with. And that drove me to the recognition of the folly I had, which was throwing away this wonderful opportunity because I let people bother me. I didn't control my own emotions. So it was an important lesson that I I learned reflecting on that, but also seeing what it was like 
and my perceptions of what corporate America could be long term. I didn't want to end up like these older guys in their fifties that mm-hmm. you know just kind of uh, were living in quiet desperation. So I got back part time. Took about a year to do it part time, selling final expense again. Worked nights, weekends because I just never wanted to work for anybody ever again. And, and this time I just saved up all my money, didn't spend it, made sure I was, you know, had a bankroll of cash as much as I could. And then right before my wife delivered our twins, perfect timing, that's when I quit the job and went full time. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second interview in a row where, where someone launched their business just as their children were born. Um, so <laughs> great time to do it. Yeah, that's when I was launching mine the first time too. That's when I my story about becoming the guy who knows a guy and moving to Groton, not knowing anyone was, was uh, I'm, we moved in March, 2013. My daughter's born in May, 2013, because that is clearly the time to start a business right when yeah. the kid is born is definitely when you want to be right. on something new. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. For anyone listening, that is definitely not the time. Don't do that. Um, right. But when you will, because invariably you want to make plan if you want to watch your plans evaporate, have kids and definitely <laughs> going to happen. Um, so yeah, it's a great point you made about, about the, the quiet desperation in corporate America, the people with their, their safe job. I think a lot of people in 2020 discovered that they've been trading their freedom for security. And then in 2020, the security evaporated and they're like, wait, what have I been, what, why am I doing this? And then the smart ones then discovered better opportunities. Um, and the less smart ones, unfortunately, just ended up in a really bad place. But but that's, that's a great thing about the, the security of entrepreneurship is that you can, you know, something changes, there's a pandemic, there's a downturn, whatever, you can pivot. You're not attached to a sinking sinking ship necessarily. Right. And I think there is, the, the, there's a false sense of security in corporate America because mm-hmm. you <clears throat> really are just a, a function of the a wheel in the machine, a cog in the machine. Mm-hmm. And if things change, this idea of what you had that was security is gone. You know, whereas if you are an entrepreneur, there is the ability, if you believe strongly in yourself, that you control your own destiny. You can pivot with the market when things shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, you know, uh, create your own road. And it's it's a good it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a a huge thing there. And so so if someone is thinking about getting into insurance, um, or you know, gain own their own business and uh, insurance presumably is a, a good path that you recommend. Um, what, what are some things that someone should know as they approach the process? Yeah, great question. I mean, the big thing is do your due diligence. So as I mentioned from the outset, there is a large level of a multi-level marketing culture. And when I say culture, I, I mean, I th- we all know it when we see it, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the big you know, hoopla, the rah rah, the Kool Aid drinking. Like, if you can, you probably are picturing this if you're listening to uh, this. Yep, yep. And, and I've been there. That, I love those things. Those are fun. I love drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, yeah. The right kind. Sometimes you don't want the spiked kind, and there's yeah, yeah. plenty of that spiked in our business. So just be aware of that. If you sense that in your due diligence to look into the business, then slow down, do more research. There's plenty of resources online that you can go into and, and do do job reviews. You know, get some perspective. And, you know, what you want to find out is, you know, who's going to train you well, mm-hmm. who's going to support you, and is there a way of, of acquiring business something that you can adhere to? For example, some companies make you buy your own leads. So that means you have to invest your own money. Maybe you don't have the money to invest. That might not be a good choice. Mm-hmm. Whereas there are other ones that will provide the leads for you or at a heavy discount. Um, and there's other factors like this to consider, but you just you really do your due diligence because the biggest problem in our business is that 90% or more of the 
new agents that come in fail out in the first year. Yeah. It's uh, they just, it's the spaghetti method writ large with these mm-hmm. organizations and you've just got to make sure that you're not another statistic. So take your time, do your research, and you really want to find that that first match really should be your last match. You know what I mean? Like it yes, should be yes. the one you're there with for the future. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, that, that totally parallels my story in, in the industry. I, um, well, I, I, I first worked with Primerica back before they were doing, uh, before they were also doing the, the annuities and the retirement program. So, the, okay. so they, they promoted buy term and invest the rest, but they didn't actually have a vehicle to invest the rest. So it right. ended up being buy term and spend the rest. And finally they <laughs> wised up and said, one, we're losing all this, this revenue that we could be making. And two, we're kind of screwing our clients because they're giving them advice that we know they're not going to follow. Right. Um, but so I, I worked with them and yeah, you're right. I, I kind of smelled it, it. It felt a little bit. Well, it is. Primarica is a multi-level program. It, um, it is. It's not. It's not illegit. It's not. Oh, no, it's a, legit, it's a great company. A legal yeah. thing. Yeah, I, you I, can I, have a direct sale. It's really the culture we're talking yeah. about. Is is the kind of that's a very common occurrence. And yeah, so, know, and, just, and the people I know at, at Primarica are you know they're serious people and they're they they run a good business and they're and the, the company's really matured too to, to provide a better value. Yeah, um, but for sure. but at, at the time, fifteen years ago, eh, kind of skewed me out. Then I worked in New York Life, and they, they brought me in, and they're like, oh, yeah, so if you do that, there's a math on the board. And be like, oh, if you just get one of these per year, and you'll get this much money, and blah, 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 blah. And then I get in there, and they're like, all right, so go do some prospecting. I'm like, cool, how? Uh, I just, you know, my office was an hour <laughs> and a half away from my the area right. I was working in. And what they did do for me is they got me my license. So that was huge. But they didn't actually give me any method to get clients. And, and you know, New York Life, again, great company, great products. The people who actually do well there do very well or very well trained, but it's we get against the wall thing. Um, and then I found American Income Life where they provided the leads. And right. and that was that was more of a here's your leads, here's your training. You know, they were designed for you walking off the street. Uh, they you had to get your own license then, but I already had it. But they would otherwise provide everything, the training, the leads, the support, the supervisors. Um, and and so it it provided that um, that that all around, but no, it's totally asking the right questions is the important thing of of where do my leads come from, and you know who will support me and who can answer my questions, and and that's that is right on to my experience. And uh, American Income Life was great, but I wasn't enough of a hustler to really do well there because it definitely is a a turn and burn kind of sales. You need to be in there and have one hundred percent blind confidence, and the product I have is the best product, and you need it. And if you start right. thinking too much. Not gonna, right, yeah. not gonna do well. Well, everything you've mentioned too, you know, is what we call captive companies, and you have to do that one carrier, mm-hmm. and you have to believe. And 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 the and the cornerstone to being successful at sales is belief. If you don't yes. believe in what you sell, it doesn't matter anything. It doesn't matter your script. It doesn't matter the lead itself. Like if you don't believe in what you sell, you're eventually going to crack. Yep. And that's kind of why I advocate what's called a, a an independent model or a brokerage model. And what we teach agents to do is to represent multiple companies. And what that mm. gives us the opportunity to is then custom tailor an, an option to the client yep. that is better suited. Maybe the underwriting terms are better to get uh, better quality coverage, or perhaps the pricing is lower when somebody's on a very fixed income. Either way, you can sleep better at night as an agent because you're not serving the carrier, you're serving your agent. And your carriers are tools in your tool bag. And it, it, I think it just changes the whole character of how you run an insurance business because you don't feel like you're pushing product. You're really helping your client. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a huge thing. You're, you're right. I was part of the issue was being captive and knowing, 
you know, I, I knew too much and I knew that the yeah. product that we had right. wasn't perfect for everyone. And the people who did well just turned their brains off or, or, or didn't know any better. It's the only insurance. They, they turned them sold. off or had no brains. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Really, it's, it is yeah. true, you know. Yeah, and, and so it's almost being too smart works against you. But but with the broker model, that's a phenomenal thing. And, and of course, for people buying insurance too, you want to work with someone who has more mm-hmm. than one product because otherwise their interest is XYZ insurance company is the best. Why? Because I only sell XYZ insurance <laughs> company, so it better be the best. Right, right. <laughs> My right. family's counting on them being the best, so they must be. But yeah, the broker model is definitely a big, Big thing. So, so the people that you work with is are they they independent? Do, do you make do you suggest they work with an existing agency or how does that? How yeah, do, they how work with. They, yeah, they they. I'm I'm the agency they work with, the oh, okay. insurance group. Yeah, so they come on board and get carrier pointed with me, and then um, we run them through a training program for two to three weeks that teaches them on the sales and marketing strategies, and then. We get them out the door. We do want to go out there and jump in with both feet eventually. You know, you mm-hmm. do have to do the thing to get good at the thing. Um, you can only study so much, but you want to be prepared on some level. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the idea. And we teach them on the different products, why you would use one over the other, how to better serve your client, that kind of thing. And so are, so are your agents just local to you or are they across the country or where can? No, it's cool. Like uh, with this with this strategy, what's what's neat about it is, is I'm an entirely national based agency, but all on a virtual basis. So I recruit everywhere. I am licensed in most states. Uh, sometimes you don't need the license to recruit an agent in those states as long as they're licensed to sell. That's the mm-hmm. that's the, the thing. So I'm wherever a- agents are in the states, if they're comfortable with a virtual type of setup. So it means you need to have like more self-sufficiency because nobody's breathing down your back to like make you go work. Um, You know, I can train and recruit anywhere. That's, that's a great thing. Yeah. And one thing I'm always, always pushing is, is encouraging people not to um, not to be, you know, in quiet desperation uh, as we discussed, because, because it's it's, life's too short to spend a third of your life in a place that makes you miserable. Right. Uh, And, and there's so many opportunities out there. You know, one thing I always advocate is, is at the bare minimum gig work, so if someone's like, I don't, I want to start a business, but I need to keep my day job. Well, or could go work Uber for 30 bucks an hour and do that. But sales is also tremendous if it's for the right company with the right product and the right support, which it sounds like is what, what you're offering. Uh, now I imagine with, with your YouTube channel, somebody could watch your YouTube channel, and kind of get a good sense of what you teach, how you're, how you yeah. work, which I assume is how, why you do the channel. Absolutely. Yeah. So I put out probably about 95% of my training. Uh, for free on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. been the single f- best source of, you know, uh, interest in my agency because people get to know who I am. Yep. They can feel me out. Is this guy legit? Is he seem sincere? And they get to judge me for what I am over the course of many videos. And yeah. it's such a great uh, lead generator for me. Cause by the time I talk to the agent, they're like, Hey man, I know you, you know, I've been mm-hmm. watching your videos forever and where do I sign? You know, like that's great business wise. So I can't, can't say enough about it. It's good. Yeah, well, and that, that's great because I remember when I was, I, I've sold cars, I've sold insurance, I've sold all kinds of things. And I'd watch, you know, Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy and all them. I mean, like, yeah, sales sounds amazing. I want to do it. My grandfather was in sales too, which got me started with it. And then I'd actually work the sales job and be like, where is Zig Ziglar? Where is, you know, where are these people? They're not yeah. there. Um, so, <laughs> so for someone to be able to watch you and be like, I love this guy's training style. I love what he's teaching. And wait, I can work for him? Yeah, oh, right. that's great. Yeah, yeah. And I I have had the the benefit of working for um, some companies that that I have had that experience. Um, actually, I've had David D's. Uh, D- Dave Durand runs the Best Version Media, 
And yeah, that's similar. Yeah. Yeah. And he also has a lot of that stuff. And and I work for Best Version Media. I'm like, I'm finally working for one of those, you know, one of those trainers that I loved watching. So that sounds like a really great opportunity that somebody can watch you, learn about you, and talk about due diligence. That that the the products don't matter, the market doesn't matter. It's working for the right people is what really matters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. And and so so what are what are some of the the, the philosophies, I know we talked about it a bit, but some of the philosophies that set your insurance agency apart from from all the others? I focus first on agent uh, skill development, not to sell, to sell mm-hmm. insurance, not to recruit other insurance agents. So okay. I think I think recruiting is fine. Building an agency is great, but I think you have to have the skill set of successfully selling first before you go recruit. Mm-hmm. And that's inversely the case with most multi-level marketing. As soon as you're brought on board, it's do you know anybody with the pulse? Great, recruit them. Yes. So I don't believe in that. You, why would anybody stick with somebody that doesn't know how to sell or can't teach from experience? You know, that's what you look for in a trainer or a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, other things that we look at, um, we don't believe in the uh, talk to your friends and family model. I, I don't say I don't believe in it, but talk to your friends and family model uh, to find insurance sales opportunities. Um, what we do in our lead generation strategy is rely on paid leads. We, like I mentioned earlier, we source direct mail leads or digital marketing to generate leads mm-hmm. or really stay away from the friends and family approach because just, you know, MLM's been around so long and it just, it's very, it's very cringy for a lot of people mm-hmm. to go ask their friends and family. I'm not opposed to it. There's good reasons to do it. But, um, you know, a lot of people will stop taking your phone calls if you keep bothering them about buying your stuff. Yes. You know, um, I think getting established first and knowing what you're doing by buying leads and then selling your family is probably an easier way because they'll see, hey, this, you know, my, my son's serious about this. Okay, now you can help me. You know, he's actually mm-hmm. applying himself. So I say that's one. Uh, and then beyond that, I mean, we have more of an entrepreneurial mindset than we do an employee mindset. Mm. Um, I don't micromanage my agents. I tell them from the get-go that this is a business that you're running. This isn't a job that you have. So with a business comes an added host of responsibilities. You have to go study. You have to train. You have to apply yourself. You have to have self-discipline higher than average of the population uh, because I'm not going to be calling you and babysitting you. You know, that's Mm. many reasons why people work with me because they don't like that kind of breathe down your back stuff that's so common out there. So, um, I mean, that's probably the biggest stuff. Uh, just, you know, training's so important to sell, um, you know, and then also what I just mentioned on, uh, you know, just being more entrepreneurial based. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a huge thing. And, and I love what you're saying about the, the friends and family. Cause I think some of the challenges is that often people force themselves to believe in the product and, you know, before they've necessarily sold themselves on it, they need to kind of go through the motions with a few a few sales appointments to figure it out, to find sure. what the value is, to do the right things. And it's really uncomfortable to be talking to your, you know, your uncle, your mom, your brother-in-law about something you're not totally confident about, but you're trading on your own reputation to sell something you're not sure about. And, right. and, and anyone who really understands the value of reputation would never do that, um, which then creates its own, own challenges. So it totally makes sense that you should, you know, work with the leads first. Cause also you, you can't trade your reputation with them. They can defend themselves. If you're selling them something that's not the right thing, they could probably be like, eh, it doesn't sound right. I'm not going to buy it. Uh, whereas, you know, your, your friends might be like, well, if you say so, Dave, uh, I'll, I'll do it because you tell me to. And they're like, no, no, don't do it because I told you. Don't do it because I told you. I don't know yet. Oh, my God. Well, no, don't put my dad, my dad is a very successful uh, business owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ran a chemical business, sold out to Ecolab at like 48. 
And uh, I grew up without a mom and dad divorce kind of thing. But later in life, when I got back up with him, I asked him, I said, well, dad, how I'm starting my personal training business. What one bit of advice can you give me about, like that would make the difference in getting started? He said, Dave, never hire friends or family, you know, mm. never do business with friends or family. And he had fired and hired, you know, everybody is from his wife on down <laughs> multiple times. I was never fired because I never worked for the guy. You know, so I think of that on the friends and family approach. I think sometimes mixing money and business with your friends or your family, it starts to cloud and muddy the waters. And I mean, yeah. maybe that's my personal experience. I'm sure not everybody's like that, but I've always separated business from pleasure. You know, I don't yeah. work with my wife either. You know, I, my family's separate from my business because I, I guess part of just my, you know, experience seeing my father go through some of that stuff. Yeah. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense too, because with insurance, you can't control it. It's not your insurance company. Right, exactly. So, you're just always an the risk that your yeah that, that your friend or family member will will have an ex, have an issue with the company and be like, "Hey, you sold me this." Like, well, I didn't know what their customer service was like. I hadn't used it. Right. Um, you know, with, yeah. With coaching, like I I might coach a friend or family member uh, because I know I can deliver the product and and at worst I can give them their money back. You know, if they're not happy, if that would make them them happier. But but you know, with a it's really tough. If you're selling someone else's something, whether it's a car or insurance or whatever, because you can't. 100% guarantee that it's going to deliver. Uh, I mean, you know, with insurance, you can probably guarantee it's going to pay out, but there's right. all kinds of ways a company can, can mess you up there. Um, and so I, I was looking at the, the, the notes that uh, you sent over ahead of time. Um, and it, it talks about uh, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross and coffee is for closers, which uh, I actually mentioned that scene in my book and how that is the worst sales advice I have ever heard. They always be closing. Um, so, you know, to talk a little bit about uh, the coffee is for closers, always be closing mentality. Oh, well, you know, I, there's some things that are that are it's an interesting, iconic scene. If you've never watched the movie, y'all should. There's millennials I've talked to, Michael, that have never seen that movie. I'm like, what are you talking about? man? Gracie's on YouTube. Anyway, you can go, go find it. It's 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 on one hand, there's some good stuff with it. On the other hand, it's it's just another typical Hollywood representation of, you know, what's not really the truth. Mm -hmm. Most salespeople who are very good are very moral and they care about the people that they help. They look at this not as transactional. They look at it as, as relational. And that's part of the problem, I think, that that you see these stereotypes just uh, exuded out there and, and they're just not the case. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some diabolical sales type people out there that do this kind of stuff, but, um, you know, it's the exception to the rule, at least at the top end. Now I, I will say there is something to be said about always be closing. And, and I, I think the mentality behind that is, is what, what is worth considering. And the idea is that you're always pushing forward. You know, it's like Patton said, I don't want to hear about you holding position. I want you to hear about you moving and progressing forward, mm -hmm. right? I think that's important in sales too, is that you're moving towards the ultimate, hopefully, uh, end game or end point, which is a consummation of a sale. Mm -hmm. And that means you're getting agreement. You're getting buy-in along the way on little things. And, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you're, you're eventually building up to the big yes, as, as, as we're talking about. But the way in which you do it, you know, it can be, you know, slimy. Uh, it can also be uh, professional too. You know, we teach agents to focus more on a advisor type of role. We ask a lot of open-ended questions. We don't force people to think a certain way. We like to bring people to 
realize for themselves and decide for themselves that they need a life insurance plan if they in fact do. Mm-hmm. And I think when they do that, the fact that they did it themselves and thought through it and contemplated and decided it was, that's a lot more powerful conviction than forcefully doing that. And I think that's that ABC always be closed is kind of related to that forceful yeah. sales, high pressure crap, which I suppose it works. But there, it's it's you know you as a salesperson are going to be emotionally drained. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to have eventually if you have any kind of conscious if you're not you know a psycho, you're going to start you know feeling bad about it as you should on some yeah. level manipulating people to buy things that shouldn't. So, but still, there are some things that are right about it. It's just it's it's just how you do it. Like so much is is the case that matters. Yeah. Well, yeah, it all depends on what you, what you take close. If closing is like ask for the close, you certainly not be doing that all the way through. But always moving forward does make a lot of sense. And, and I think about the movie that it that one thing is true is that kind of manager gets the kind of results I see in that movie because most people don't notice no one ever closes a deal in that movie. Not one yeah. of those salespeople sell a single thing, and one right. guy gets arrested. Uh, so. But, but, you know, when, when you're managing in that way, you know, yelling at people, threatening them, saying, I'm awesome, you suck, be better, it's never going to get results. And, and a lot of those, the kind of companies you're talking about with that, that MLM energy, the rah-rah, the Lamborghinis, they often come from that where the managers are saying, I'm amazing, that's how I got to be here, why are you so terrible, stop being such a loser, and go sell some insurance. Um, right. And it sounds like, yo, you're, you're really doing the opposite of that, which is kind of this, which I, I think now in the 21st century, seeing a lot more of your style of, um, yeah, for sure, know, for sure, you know, actually be a human and not sell your soul. Selling insurance is not worth selling soul. You can, can be convincing and you can be persuasive, but we, we liken it to the term of you can, you can either as a salesperson apply outside external pressure or you can build internal tension. Mm-hmm. So when we, you know, the old school pressure tactics, that's applying pressure, but building internal tension is, is, for example, in our business, when we ask a question, what we call disturbing questions, we want to disturb our clients to, because they don't want to think about dying. Let's face it, mm-hmm. we're too busy living. So when we ask something like, well, what happens, you know, uh, do you, what are you doing for your existing life insurance? And they say, well, I don't have anything. And then your reply is, wow. So God forbid, if you die tomorrow, what happens? And you say it in a tone that's not smart, you know, but, you know, concerning, sincere. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to see them cringe in their seat, but they're faced with their own mortality. Yeah. And they have to be forced to answer these hard questions. But that's going to be, I guess, kind of what we call an inflection point where there's a realization that, wow, this is, this is real. This is serious. I need to do this. And that's persuasive. That's building internal tension. Yeah. And that's them, help, you helping them come to their own decision that, yeah, I've got a problem. And yeah, I got to fix them. Yeah. That, that's, that's great persuasion. That's really the best persuasion. Yeah. I mean, that, that's huge. And that's anyone who's, who, you know, is selling life insurance and has actually embraced it should honestly be concerned if they meet someone without insurance. Um, yeah. Because also when, once you've been doing it for a while, you've now heard the stories of like, I, I met this one family, it was, their, their son had died unexpectedly seven years earlier and they were still paying off the funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like 32 years old. They were a low income family. And their memory of their son, the reminder of their son is a monthly bill for a loan for his funeral, um, you know, seven years after he died. And that's, you know, whenever I see those GoFundMes to pay for someone's funeral, it's, it it tells me every insurance salesman who crossed their paths before that failed them. Yeah. Right. Right. For sure. And, you know, it's it's a, a, a failure of those agents that left this person in the situation. Right. So. Right. Yeah, you're right on what you're saying that uh, 
that they, they need to. I think good insurance agents are very similar to door-to-door evangelists. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's you really are having a come to Jesus meeting with yeah. the prophet. And and you're you're appealing to their better senses why they should do this, uh, not forcing them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're wanting them to come to this conclusion, come to this, not push it upon them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah I agree. you kind of let them be aware that there is a problem, and then aware there's a solution. Yeah. Right. Um, but but that, that's that's hugely important. Because most people don't realize, you know, they don't know what insurance is for. They don't know why they need it. Um, and. And so it's very important to be able to do that. So if somebody does start with you, is um, so do they have to pay for their own leads or how does someone get started with mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Yeah. So with me, you got to be licensed, right? So you got to get your health insurance and life insurance license. Mm-hmm. That's all you need from the state to then represent insurance companies. And then at that point, uh, you get onboarded. You go through my uh, FAQ, like uh, group Q&A to ask me questions to kind of get to get yourself vetted and qualified, I guess, as an agent to see if you're a good fit. Mm-hmm. And um, we do require agents to invest in leads. Um, it's, you know, range 1500 to 3000. It depends on what you buy and if you're part or full-time and that's a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, again, if it doesn't make sense, there's other agencies that have free leads. We can refer people to those. And sometimes those makes more sense, but they pay less. So there's always this give or take, right? Yep. So, um, but yeah, if they can do that, they're entrepreneurial, they're pretty self-sufficient and they can, you know, have a work ethic, then, you know, I pretty much give everybody a shot that wants to give it a, give it a try. Okay. So, so this is kind of more like, I mean, it, I know it's not a franchise model, but more like a franchise in that you have to invest into it. It's not a job. It's not, you know, you're, you're signing up and going to get a paycheck. It's, it's you're going to be putting skin in the game. You're going to put an investment in, but not, you know, not a hundred thousand dollars to open a, to open a Seven Eleven. It's no, it's, and that's what's cool about Final Expense and, and Medicare. It's another uh, Medicare policy. Something else we sell. Mm-hmm. My my findings have been, you know, it takes about a week to two weeks of actively selling on the phone, over the phone, telesales, or in the field, uh, before you determine if it's a good decision for you or not. So, whereas if you invest in a restaurant, you're probably looking at a fifty to hundred thousand investment, uh, you know, a year or two before you break even, and that's still a very competitive business that has a high fallout. So here, at least the the, the time to going live and testing the idea to see if it does work for you is very quick. Mm-hmm. You know, because after two weeks, if you're not getting anywhere, and you can sincerely say you studied and tried and made a good effort of this. You don't need to waste any more money on, on an opportunity that's not working out for you. So, mm-hmm. yes, there's risk, but relative to other businesses, not but, as much. But the I risk think. is like a few thousand dollars, not tens or hundreds. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. So, for someone who's in a you know in a middle class place, I mean, if you're if you're working minimum wage, it's a massive risk. But if you're if you're coming right. out of a middle class job and you're like, eh, corporate sounds kind of awful. Let me test the waters here. It's you yeah. know, for the cost. Well, really, for the cost of like a cruise, when mm-hmm. you think of it that way. For the yeah. cost of a cruise, you can invest in this, try this business out, see if it's something you want to do and are good right. at it. And not just, you know, have a conversation, but really actually for, it sounds like five, $6,000, you can get licensed, get some leads, get some training, really give it your all. And in two months, you know, and if not, you tried, you can say, well, I tried it. I mean, not even two months. I, I used to say, man, it's going to take about a month before you know if this is right for you. And then I took a closer look at my successful agents and, they would all, they all contact me in the first week. They're like, Dave, you know, I sold so much in insurance. I made more in a day than I made in a week. I love this business. And <laughs> I'm like, yes, you're hooked. <laughs> but then I'll have the people who don't sell anything that I never hear from 
or they call me like, I don't know what's going on. This isn't right for me. And, and, and usually it ends up with me saying, hey, look, it's probably it's either my deal isn't for you. Maybe you should look somewhere else or maybe the business isn't for you. But, you know, if you've really earnestly done everything possible, don't waste any more of your money. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want you to do to throw it into something that's not returning because it does return pretty quick for those people who are really uh, a good fit for the business. Okay, and I assume the leads that you're you're getting are are pretty, you know, fresh, hot leads. Um, yeah, yeah, big 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 point in this business. Yeah, if you want to make sure you're buying fresh or using buying working if you can fresh mm-hmm. and exclusive leads because the inverse old and used and resold leads is the commonality or is the, is the norm you want and if it makes sense if you think about it if mrs johnson's back back card and i see her next week like it's hot and top of mind because she uh-huh. just built the car back out and now we're seeing her but if i go back and see mrs jones and it's six months later and i'm the fifth agent that's been there what's the likelihood of me converting that into a sale there yeah. is a chance, but it's a lot lower than a fresh lead. I think we can all agree. And a lot of these, again, one of these things that these insurance MLMs do is they monetize and profit off of you, even if you don't make a sale. And so what they'll do is they'll sell you leads. They'll, they'll sell it at a retail price that factors in profit to the company. So that's why they push a lot of these aged leads and these old leads, because they've already paid the cost to acquire the lead, you know, many times ago before it was resold. So every time they resell it, it's just straight profit. Mm. And and agents don't realize that, but this is a cash cow for the insurance agencies to have another stream of income from. Um, and yeah. so that way they make money even if you don't, which to me is is even if you contemplate that, it's, a, it's diabolical. You know, there's no goal alignment. You know, why would you, if they're concerned about making money before I do, how does that cloud the relationship? You know, you should make money as an agency. I think only when the agent makes money, because then everything, your profit motive is, is the same as the agents. How can I get this guy out here and sell? Cause yeah. I'm not making anything until then. Right. Yep. So. Yeah. And I, I definitely had the experience. You call someone, you're they're like, what card? Like yeah. handwritten card. You sent it in. Oh, I think I got that like seven months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and you'll realize it. Cause it's cause you know, you're handed these, these are fresh leads. Yeah. I felt like right out seven months ago. What the, you know, <laughs> right. What, what's your fresh idea of fresh? Yeah. Ago. yeah, right. Yeah, if you ever tell me you got a fresh sandwich for me, I'm going to be very suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> Why is there mold on this fresh sandwich? Oh, I got it's it seven months stuff. ago. It's fresh. Yeah. Yeah, it's not quite the same. <laughs> um, so, so for someone out there who's who's considering um, the world of insurance, what uh, what is the the message you want to leave them with? Yeah, I mean, do your due diligence. Uh, research different opportunities out there. I'll do a shameless plug over here to my shoulder. There's a green book. It's called The Official Guide to Selling uh, Insurance for New Agents. Read that book. It's a quick 100 page. It's really just everything about the insurance business that your agency recruiting is not going to tell you. It's going to prime you on what the business is like, what to expect. And it's going to give you a little bit more focus and direction on, do you want to do this kind of product or this kind of agency? So start doing your due diligence. If you'd like more information on the insurance business as a whole, my YouTube channel is great. Just put David Duford into YouTube. You'll find all my stuff mm-hmm. or my website, DavidDuford.com. That's great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad we connected because I said, I'm always meeting people who are just in a bad, you know, the wrong side of the economy. You know, I, I know there's so much opportunity in America. I've seen it. You've seen it. Yeah. Um, when there's people out there, you know, whenever I see someone on Facebook talk about how they hate capitalism and revolution and bring out the guillotines and bring socialism and, um, and, you know, I'm not talking about universal health care, but I mean like actual taking down capitalism. 
It's obvious because they've never experienced the right side of capitalism and they're not in the right part of the market and they don't see the opportunities. So, you know, I'm so glad we got to talk and share this and, and I'll I'll certainly be referring people your way who I think might have some of that sales, sales instinct because so often they, you know, properly trained, they could follow a system. If there's something they could believe in, uh, they might have might invest, they may invest in something else. And, and then they're, you know, they, they hate, they hate, Frankly, they hate capitalism, they hate America because they haven't experienced it. They've been sold this dream growing up and then they tried to take advantage of it and it was junk. So, right. you know, I, I'm always on the lookout for those authentic, legitimate opportunities to point people towards where I'm like, no, really, the America you're looking for and promised, it's over here. Over <laughs> here. Go look right. there. Don't, don't go here. Go over there. Go check that right. out. So, so glad we've had you on here. Um, DavidDuford.com is the website and David Duford on you on YouTube with, um, 18,000 subscribers talking about selling insurance. So he's got to be interesting. Check him out guys. And of course, you know, he's been great to have on the show. So thank you very much, David, for being on the show. It's been great to have you here. Michael, thank you. This has been the guy who knows a guy podcast with your host, Michael Whitehouse. This great theme song is by Patrick Howard. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, leave a review and share this podcast. Find the full archive of all episodes at guywhoknowsaguy.com slash podcast. Check out my other podcast, Morning Motivation. It's a daily podcast of two to five minutes with a powerful hit of motivation and inspiration to get your day started. Morningmotivation.fun or search for Morning Motivation wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the community online in the Morning Motivation Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Morning Motivation Podcast. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect jv-connect.com that's jv-connect.com december 12th and 13th 2023 we'll see you there